Good morning. The scripture this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 19. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus." But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Carol, and thank you, Chancel Choir, for an anthem so appropriate to our topic for today. And, of course, thank you to the Joy Bells for surrounding us this morning with your amazing music. It's uh, It's good to be in this place. It's good to be together on this day. The Advent adventure continues. We're moving, some of us, it seems more rapidly than others, toward the manger. For our guide this year, we've chosen the opening stanza of a well-known hymn, There's a Song in the Air. On the first Sunday of Advent, we dwelt on that hymn, which the title of that hymn There's a song in the air and talked about how the music of Christmas, such good news sometimes is just too good to be talked about. So we have to sing about it. A song in the air, it must be sung. Are we placing in ourselves in a position to hear that song of love and mercy and grace during this holy season of Advent? The best place from which to hear that song is a place of loving and caring for and serving others, especially, the gospel teaches us, the last and the lost and the least. On the second Sunday in Advent, we reflected on the second phrase in the hymn, there's a star in the sky. How do we respond to that star? We can wish upon that star, or we can study that star, or we can follow that star. The star led the wise men to the Christ child. For us, that Christ child has become the bright and morning star, a bright light that no amount of darkness will ever extinguish, a bright light that will not be overcome by the darkness of these long December nights. And for today, the third Sunday in Advent, we're going to look at the third phrase in the opening stanza of that hymn. There's a mother's deep prayer. And the mother referred to, of course, is Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
the Messiah, the anointed one. It all began on an ordinary day in a backwater, even less than ordinary, backwater podunk town called Nazareth. Nazareth was nowhere back then. It was a nowhere place. It is larger now. Modern day Nazareth is a large, prosperous city. But back then, oh, it was nothing. Mary lived there. She may have been, many scholars believe, 14, 15 years old. And she was engaged to a man named Joseph. And then the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, the Annunciation. The first window to the right, to my right over here, symbolizes that Annunciation, the appearance of the angel Gabriel. And to say the least, she was startled. Even in that day and time, the appearance of an angel was not an everyday kind of happening. It was not a natural occurrence. It was out of the ordinary. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And Mary was, to say the least, confused about all of this. The angel explained, seeking first to alleviate her fears. You've been found, Mary, to have favor with God. And now you will conceive and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will save his people. Jesus, great, most high. He'll reign over Jacob, over the kingdom of God without end. How will this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Why Mary? A person of faith, and a person of prayer from nowhere. So we need to be careful about underestimating the power, the life-changing power of faith and of prayer. God has a habit of calling nobodies from nowhere to carry out God's most important work. Not the way we do things, is it? Perhaps we'd better think twice about hiding behind the curtain of the ordinary, the insignificant, the anonymous. Those are the places where God often looks first to find someone to do God's work. One of my favorite contemporary poets is a woman named Anne Weems. She's responsible for these words. She wrote, Mary, Nazareth girl, what did you know of ethereal beings with messages from God? What did you know of men when you found yourself a child? What did you know of babies? You barely out of childhood yourself. God chosen girl. What did you know of God that brought you to this stable Blessed among women. Could it be that you had been ready, waiting, listening for the footsteps of an angel? Could it be that there are messages for us if we have the faith to just listen? There's a mother's deep prayer. Mary knew how to pray just because, maybe because she had the faith to listen. And she was not intimidated by silence. We have such a hard time with that. 
How is it with, with us in our own prayer lives? James Powell is a United Methodist pastor in North Carolina. He's been a candidate for bishop. He's taught at the Duke Divinity School. And about a decade and a half ago, he wrote a book titled The Beautiful Work of Learning to Pray. And there are 31 lessons in that book. Lesson 10 is called Silence, and his theme verse was Psalm 62 and verse 1. For God alone my soul waits in silence. Mickey and I have used that book in Advent's past for our devotional readings. I would recommend it to you. I want to share a few of his words regarding prayer and silence. Thinking about this, this young woman. Thinking about Mary. And he begins by reminding us of some words of St. Augustine, or some folks say St. Augustine. O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. No index into our restlessness is more telling than our flight from silence. He said our world is noisy. As our planet gets noisier every century, something is always on. Somebody is always saying something. Even our prayers get ruined by a crowd of words. Why do we fear silence? Perhaps silence feels like loneliness. And we have invested a lot of time and energy into convincing ourselves that we're not lonely. Do you see? God has made me for God. God has made you for God. And we are wired, he said, in such a way that we are miserable until we discover who we are. Until we are thoroughly known by God and find ourselves immersed in God's love to the point that it casts out all the fear from our hearts. And he says we'll never know God except by daring to enter into, to stick with, to embrace the silence. If we hang with silence and prayer, we discover that we've been foolish to flee our loneliness. What we have needed is solitude, which is the opposite of loneliness. Solitude is when we are alone in the silence with God and discover the surprising gift that we are not alone at all. Silence indicates our availability to hear the voice of God. So before we pray with words, we are quiet, we wait. Later we speak softly and not too long, waiting in pregnant silence, he says, ending in quiet stillness. Mother Teresa said, the beginning of prayer is silence. God speaking in the silence of our heart. And then we start talking to God from the fullness of our heart. And God listens. There's a mother's deep prayer. And Mary told Gabriel prayerfully, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. The world held its breath. Mary said yes. And the world breathed a collective sigh of relief. There's a mother's deep prayer. For what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed for Joseph's understanding? Certainly she knew by now that he was a good man, an honorable man, but what she had to tell him would be huge in their lives. Matthew's Christmas story that Carol read a while ago, and, and thank you for that. 
we often think of the Christmas story as Luke chapter 2, the, the stable and the angels and all, and that's so important. But Matthew tells us about Joseph's reaction to Mary's bombshell. He would not humiliate her, but he would not marry her either until there was divine intervention and an angelic explanation. Mary, you have some explaining to do. But it was the angel who explained things to Joseph. Now along these same lines, certainly Mary prayed for strength to cope with life as a pregnant, unmarried woman in a small village. Fatty mentioned that a moment ago. Life for an unmarried young woman who would soon begin to show grapevines and gossip and wagging tongues at the village well. Joseph was the only one required to go home for the enrollment for the census. He was a male and he had to go. Mary did not have to go for the census. But don't you reckon Mary told Joseph, let's see, stay here amongst turnbacks and bishops, gossip and rumors and all that they're talking about down by the well or go with you. And I think she might have said to Joseph, don't you even think about leaving this place without me. <laughs> and so she accompanied him to Bethlehem. Walking or riding on an animal, we're not sure. The scripture really doesn't make that part clear. There's a mother's deep prayer for what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed for a safe birth and a healthy baby? I don't know how many women died in childbirth back in Mary's day. I'm not sure what the infant mortality rate was. But I'm certain that we would not find those percentages acceptable in a first world country in our day and time. I remember, what's it been, about six years ago, Mickey and I were having dinner with a young couple. And they were showing us some pictures from a recent trip they had taken that's they still had, they had actual pictures, not just phone pictures. But on the bottom stack of those pictures was a sonogram. And they asked us not to tell anybody else yet. They wanted to wait a little bit longer to make sure things were going to be okay. Safe birth rates, infant mortality rates, the percentages for good have gone up greatly over the years over the past 2,000 years. A mother's deep prayer for the new life she carries, for the health of the baby. Some things just never change. There's a mother's deep prayer for what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed for her lost child when he was about 12 years old? You remember the story? Most of us parents, grandparent types, somewhere along the way have had those moments of panic, hopefully just brief moments, when we looked around us and said, where in the world did those little rascals get off to? <laughs> They'd gotten away from me. Joseph and Mary had gone to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when the festivities had ended, they started home, each parent assuming that the child was with the other, either at the front of the group or in the back of the group or in the middle somewhere. They'd gone about a day's journey when they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. <laughs> Have you seen our child? 
Having no luck, they returned to Jerusalem. And you know the story. They found Jesus in the temple, sitting with the elders, the rabbis, listening, asking questions. There's a mother's deep prayer for what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed for Jesus as he was engaged in his ministry of preaching and teaching and healing? The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story of Jesus' family standing outside the synagogue and hearing things that caused them to be troubled. And Jesus was inside teaching. And somebody said, your mom and them are outside and they're, they're looking for you. Was Mary hearing things that caused her to believe that her firstborn was in great danger? Was she afraid folks would be offended by what he had said and done? Was Mary playing the role of mama bear? Do we ever reach a point where we no longer care what people think? And what people say about our children. A point where we're not concerned about what harm others might do to our children. A point in time when we stop praying for our children. Do we ever reach such a point? No, 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 no. There's a mother's deep prayer. To what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed for Jesus during his last days? As his life spiraled toward a violent death were her friends trying to protect her from the hatred and fear and cruelty that was being directed toward her son? Or did she know, did she know things would not end well? Was it a mother's instinct, a mother's intuition that she was so afraid of what she was seeing and hearing? After describing Jesus' torturous death, Matthew's gospel tells us many women were there also looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee watching from a distance. John 19.25 tells us that standing near the foot of the cross was Jesus' mother. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, the beloved disciple, he said to his mother, woman, here's your son. Then he said to the disciple, here's your mother. How could we even imagine the depth of her prayer, the depth of her love for Mary watching from a distance was not an option. She had to draw close. Up close was the only place she could be. There's a mother's deep prayer. For what did Mary pray? Could it be that she prayed with unimaginable joy when she understood that death did not have the final word? Some of you may correct me if I'm wrong, I hope you will, but I don't recall any scripture right away that mentions any encounter between Mary and the risen Christ. I believe that must surely have happened. Maybe then Mary's deep prayer was that everyone would come to know and love and follow one 
who had conquered even the powers of darkness and death and who could transform a human life and help us find our reason for being here. There's a mother's deep prayer. Parents praying for their children. What else is new? Things we wish we had said. The title of a book written by Tony Campolo and his son, Bart. And it consists of letters written from father to son and and vice versa. And in one of these letters, Tony is writing to his son about becoming a parent, about parenting, specifically about learning how to walk that thin line separating the giving of too much freedom from the exercising of too much restraint, something all parents, I believe, struggle with. Closing paragraph, he said, allow me to suggest that when your time comes to figure all of this out, you invite the church to help. It's much too difficult to figure out alone. When parenting becomes difficult, we need the prayers as well as the wisdom and the experience of other Christian parents. That's what bearing one another's burden is all about. And he signed the letter, Love, Dad. James Howell's book that I mentioned a moment ago, The Beautiful Work of Learning to Pray, he concludes with these words, and we never pray alone. Saints, brothers and sisters across the globe, friends in your own church family are praying today, now, and most wonderfully, Jesus prays for us and with us. Just as Paul spoke of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 26, we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with sighs too deep for words. What comfort, what hope, what a fellowship divine, what a beautiful work. We never pray alone. But sometimes we do pray by ourselves. When we're home by ourselves, or maybe when we're out in the barn, everyone except Joseph and the baby were gone. Joseph and the babe and the animals might have been sound asleep. Long day and all it had been for all of them. But Mary treasured all of these words and pondered them in her heart. I think that ponder is simply another word for praying. There's a mother's deep prayer. There's a mother's deep pondering. And if I count correctly, There are about 11 more pondering days for us until Christmas. Amen.